Hey everyone, Jawad with Hit the Apex as always, coming to you on Wednesday between Easter weekend and Anzac Day. Hope everyone is well and enjoying a bit of time off work if you got it over Easter and of course with Anzac Day coming up if you're here in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and more pertinently also, it's race week as well, so a lot to celebrate I guess. Um, time off, race week, a lot of football... Uh, footy ball, rugby to talk about later on too. But being race week, of course, we've got a Formula One race to to preview and to discuss. And, you know, what m- could possibly be one of the exciting races of the season. It was a cracker last year. It was pretty crazy the year before. It's bonkers Baku, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And the final flyaway race too before heading back to continental Europe. Of course, Barcelona coming later on. Um, well, not later on in the month, next month, of course, as we head into the month of May. But yeah, Bonkers Baku, throwing up a surprise, a lot of madness as always. Um, last year, crazy race with a crazy outcome. You wouldn't have thought that Lewis Hamilton would have won it at the start. But, you know, just a heartbreak for Valtteri Bottas. Um, it pretty much summarized his entire 2018 year. Um with that tyre blowout that he had at the end of the race, with a guaranteed victory pretty much going up with the carcass of his tyre. <laughs> um, I shouldn't be laughing, actually. It was pretty pretty heartbreaking and painful. But, yeah, you know, hopefully this year could, you know, perhaps right that wrong from, from 2018. He's been on form this year, you could say. Started the year with a victory and, you know, picked up some solid results, second in the championship behind his teammate. Um, things going really well for Mercedes at the moment. Let's just leave it at that. A, a ra- rather a bit too well. And we talked about last week how they've got that record now of the opening three races, having completed one, two finishes in each of them. And the only, the last person or last team to do that was Williams back in their 92 season where they just romped away between Nigel Mansell and uh, Ricardo Patrese. But yeah, you know, things going awfully well for Mercedes, which, you know, a lot of people have got a lot of things to say. I really don't because they're just doing a better job than the competition at the moment. Simple as that. And that double pit stop that they pulled off in in China was a, a sign of, you know, how dominant it is if you want to summarize if we get to the end of the season how good a year it was for Mercedes you could play that little clip back over and over the double pit stop it just in harmony it's just so good you know very weird I don't know maybe there's a lot of people out there who think it's it's something it's a harmonious video to watch or gif if you want to play it back in gif form but anyway the onus shifts to Ferrari to break uh, Mercedes grip at the moment you know they're f- behind 57 points in the constructors standings and then in the drivers championship um, Lewis Hamilton at the top now after his second win of the year in China uh, 31 points ahead of Vettel and 32 ahead of Charles Leclerc and they're both down in fourth and fifth in the championship at the moment so you know whilst a couple of races ago I said it's not really the time to panic for Ferrari it not it's not really time to panic just yet either but three races in with three wins gone having gone to the competition um they've got to win this weekend there is no doubt about that or hope that mercedes have some dnfs under their belt because 
the more that you know you let the other team get romp away with the points you know it's going to become more and more difficult and last year Seb had a great start to the year he won the first two races back to back still was coming up on the podium and he was actually ahead in the championship at this point of the year three races in but at the moment with the deficit it's you know on paper it looks pretty grim but at the same time Ferrari yeah you know I guess the team orders, you know, the car weaknesses that they had in China as well, not being able to be as quick through the corners as the Mercedes and just not having the pace in general really was exposed. And the team orders too didn't really help as far as getting the maximum results. Like we talk about in F1 that if you're going to have an off weekend and you're not going to be able to fight whoever for the win, at least try and maximise the results and, you know, for Ferrari, third and fourth would have been optimal, but it ended up being third and fifth because of the team orders pretty much um, stuffing Leclerc's race up as far as the strategy was concerned. So, yeah, you know, long, you know, they've got the long straights this weekend. It's a low drag circuit, um, not very many or no basically no high-speed corners involved. Um, so Ferrari is said to be suited to this circuit. So with all the odds in their favour, and I know they were in Bahrain as well when they, um, unfortunately with reliability issues, ended up losing that race as well, you'd think that on paper they will be strong this weekend and given that it's a must-win race, they need to step up. Um, they've also got some upgrades coming too, which is which will be good. Their first upgrades of the season, so hopefully can this iron out some of the issues that they are having with their car. Um, you know, just as far as switching tyres on and any niggling bits and pieces that people are um, concerned about. So yeah, you know, on paper it's it's there, it's waiting for them. They just got to go and grab it. And Baku. Um, talking about Baku in general, it's a special circuit for Charles Leclerc, Um, a lot of history at that particular venue last year in his maiden year, he scored his best result of the season there, sixth, and then of course, you think back a couple of years ago, that emotional weekend that he had in Formula 2 of course, after, you know, just days after his father passed away, you know, credit to him for turning up to race and it was an important weekend as far as his championship run was concerned that year in F2 as well. So coming in, scoring pole position, and then winning the race on the Sunday too, quite important. So holds, I guess, special memories for Leclerc. Um, and, you know, could it be the scene of his first F1 victory as well? That would be serendipitous and one for the history books. And, you know, how much I love that sort of stuff in Formula 1, weaving a little bit of history, and um, it would be quite quite spectacular as well for race 1001 given that 1000 was pretty boring so yeah um but Baku itself Mercedes has won two races at this track um you know Rosberg won there 2016 of course when it was still the European Grand Prix and then Lewis Hamilton last year and then in between we had Daniel Ricciardo um when they switched over to the Azerbaijan Grand Prix so um and there's just been drama after drama at this track you look back a couple of years ago with between Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel um, the whole brake testing under the safety car thing and then Vettel comes up alongside the Mercedes and just rams it something that you would do and you know I think I described it at the time it's something that you would do if you're playing burnout or something 
I love Burnout. It was such a great game. But um, yeah, something that you would do in Burnout, and everyone was shocked and disappointed and whatnot. So, um, and last year, I guess, yeah, they were just Ferrari couldn't compete with Mercedes. So hopefully this year, for their sake, you know, I don't really care, but for their sake in the championship, they've got to really step it up, and it's a must-win race for them and tires yeah could be a talking point too this weekend as I already said you know trying to fight for finding that ideal window and whatnot and you know Ferrari I thought in the past few years they've been a lot better than Mercedes than get than get uh, a lot better than Mercedes in getting their tires into the right window you know Mercedes have always had inherent problems with um, tires and you know, chewing through them really quickly, but it seems like they've really worked on that, you know, so that's good to see as far as Mercedes are concerned, it's not like they've been perfect all these years, they've still had issues that they've had to iron out, so it's just a sign of a a great team just getting better and better rather than stagnating, so, you know, we'll see who wins that little tie battle as well, which will be quite pivotal, I think, in the race, as well as just surviving in general, you know, points can be anyone's, basically, as long as, you know, they avoid trouble or, you know, a podium perhaps, potentially for someone, we've seen some midfielders really step up here, and Sergio Perez has been on the podium twice for the team previously known as Force India, now Racing Point, and Lance Stroll, of course, his teammate this year, has been on the podium for Williams a couple of years ago. Um, uh, That was a pretty exciting finish to that race, with Bottas just pretty much pipping him across the line to take second, but you know what? If it's your first podium in F1, third will do. (laughs) There might be more for Stroll in his day, perhaps this weekend. He could could, um, ruffle Perez's feathers and end up on the podium we'll wait and see Red Bull um talked about them last week as being sort of in a in their own little universe at the moment in their own world occupying fourth fifth sixth positions um you know can they pick up the odd podium potentially but um yeah interesting hearing from Christian Horner during the week saying that they didn't actually set goals of winning races in 2019, so I guess just lowering the expectations anyway, but they've made solid progress. I mean, a lot of people had written off Honda and Red Bull, potentially, saying that, oh, you know, Honda haven't really quite got their act together, or it's a big risk and whatnot, but at the moment, they've quietly got the job done. I mean, Pierre Gasly did the whole fastest lap thing in China, scored the extra point for that. Max Verstappen still sitting third in the championship ahead of the Ferraris, which has to be brought up as well. So his consistency has been key and he's uh, had the one podium to his name back in in Melbourne. So, you know, this weekend, if they stay out of trouble, which the Red Bulls didn't last year, ha ha ha, uh, everyone will remember them crashing into each other and I guess between... Verstappen and Ricardo, things weren't as uh, fruity as they, or peachy as they should have been, so um, yeah, you know, what do they do this weekend, podium would be great, you know, podium, podium is open to anyone who can survive the race and finish there, you know, lest we have Hamilton and, and Vettel take each other out at the front, trying to be silly, and Bottas, Leclerc, can fight themselves for the race win and then you have someone come in like you know a racing point or a red bull or even a renault come and steal a podium and i guess there is a chance for renault this weekend you know if their reliability permits and i've got a big question mark next to that as well because they've not been the most reliable this season i mean there's been that expectation on renault that 
this is the year that they've really got to show that they've got that intent to fight the rest of the manufacturers on the grid. You know, Honda and Red Bull are a strong partnership given that they're two very strong entities on their own and coming together. They're just going to help each other, you'd hope, in best case scenario. So Renault for them, you know, whilst, yeah, we're tempering our expectations about winning races and whatnot and podiums, but a podium this weekend, given that Baku is such a bonkers race, it will be an emphatic statement, especially with Daniel Ricciardo, who jumped the ship to come to Renault. A lot's been made of it already with the ill, I guess, the ill fortune that he's had, but for Nico Hulkenberg too, man, like he's, you know, driven the most races now without a podium in his career, a statistic he wouldn't have wanted, given the talent that this driver has, and also the last couple of races have been pretty rotten for him as well, so um, don't rule out the Renaults, basically what I'm saying, if they will be reliable, they could be up there, given if there is any incidents at the front that allow them to to potentially fight for the podium. Somebody who probably won't be <laughs> in contention for that will be Haas, who still seem a bit concerned about their race pace, but at the same time, I've, I've written that anything can happen. So we can't rule anything out, basically. It's just one of those races where it's difficult to predict. It's like, nah, I'm not going to play this game, you know. I'm not going to play this game. Let's just wait and see how the weekend pans out. Um, hopefully everyone can get out of there unscathed but also yeah you can't really can't really stress enough that it is an important race in terms of the championship for Ferrari to put a result on the board um, those points differentials at the moment are a bit too big given that we're only three races in and given that all the preseason hype was that we were in for a close championship um, with potentially Ferrari ahead of Mercedes to have 31 points and 32 points, the difference between the championship leader and the two Ferrari cars, and then the 57-point differential in the Constructors' Championship, three races in, it's a pretty hard target to try and... Um, pretty hard uh, margin to fight back from. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting this weekend, as always, with Baku. Um just glad that it's on at a more acceptable time too. I mean, one hour makes a big difference. So, ten past ten is a lot more acceptable than eleven past uh, ten past eleven. So, yay! I can't wait for that um, next time out in Barcelona. But um, yeah, this weekend at least ten past ten is a lot more acceptable. So, we'll wait and see what happens. Safety cars. There should be a few. You'd hope if they don't have any safety cars, then you know it's. A pretty boring Baku race, which hopefully we won't get. And also, what we won't get is Roman Grosjean blaming Marcus Ericsson for anything because Marcus ain't there this weekend or this season. He's off in IndyCar land doing well. So, yeah, um, it's just, yeah, as I said, one of those races you can't really predict what will happen, but I'm sure there will be a lot of madness to, to come from it. So, into supercars land we go, and it's the gift that keeps giving at the moment in 2019, and that's the Ford Mustang and parody. So, basically, the Ford Mustang this week has had its wings clipped. So, we've had news come through from supercars that there's going to be further changes to the Mustang ahead of the Perth Super Night event, which is next weekend. So DJR Team Penske and Tickford, who are the 
current teams that run the the Mustang will have to modify their cars. And this ain't just moving ballast around um, like it was a couple of weeks ago. This is actually some significant changes as far as aero is concerned. So they're having to reduce certain parts of their rear wing, the size of it. So the end plates, of course, and also... Um, some other part of the rear wing as well, which they perceive they're getting the perceived advantage from, and also the gurney flap and the under tray of the car as well. So, significant changes all round on the car, and as much as this is good for the competition or whatever you want to say, as far as you know, parity and making supercars maintain its reputation for being very close between the competition with parity i've got to describe i describe this as a great disappointment you know despite that intention for the parity just the way in which it's been dealt with i think is not the best for the championship because as i've said in the last few podcasts talking about this issue at the end of 2018 when the mustang was homologated it was homologated alongside the current models that are competing this year from their rival manufacturers, Nissan with the Altima and Holden with the Commodore ZB. Uh, Ford have created a car that is within the supercars regulations. Um, they've ticked all the boxes. They had their boxes ticked by supercars as well and the technical department at the end of last year when they did those homologation tests. So... You can only describe this as being a bad look for supercars. I know, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm a one-eyed Ford supporter um, trying to get a leg up here. No, it's nothing to do with which team you support or which manufacturer you're backing. It's about what's fair. And what's not fair is that Ford have done a better job with their car, yet have had to have their wings clipped, metaphorically and quite literally as well, Um not, not even midway through the season, so we're only a quarter of a way through the season, these sort of changes, these sort of significant changes, I stress, should be left for either at the start of the year before the racing begins or, you know, you know, basically in the off-season when, you know, you when you're getting your car ready for the new year, not midway through a championship or quarter of the way through the championship where potentially if this goes against the, their favour... It could determine the how the championship pans out. So if now this puts all the four teams on the back foot, um, what are we going to say about that? Is anyone going to bring that to attention? I'm sure there'll be a lot of fans and supporters and parties that will be happy with this, you know, and it sounds like I'm not hating on Holden or anything. I love the fact that we've got great manufacturers, Ford and Holden, 2016 was a great example of a championship where it was just the Holden cars in it, Red Bull Holden racing team in that instance, and the battle between Shane Van Gisbergen and Jamie Wincup, um, the intra-team rivalry, showed that, you know, even if it is just a one-team battle for the championship, it can be really exciting, you know, regardless of what the manufacturer it is. But because... Ford have always been that sort of team that's regarded below Holden or the manufacturer regarded below Holden. There's always going to be that fan feedback and that fan negativity in regards to Ford doing well. And that's that itself is a bad look for supercars. And I'm not 
hating on anyone who wants to be parochial, parochial, parochial? I think, yeah, that's the right word. Um, who wants to be parochial about their team, you know, or their manufacturer. Good on you. That's, the fans are the lifeblood of any sport. But at the same time, when you look at this whole issue objectively, it does seem, like, if it happened to Holden with a ZB Commodore, like, I know that they did the whole composite panel things last year, but at the same time, it was still a quick car, the ZB, quicker than the Falcons of the time. Um, if they had made any more complaints about parity um, or disparity in that instance, um, would they have made those changes? Did they make any complaints? Who knows? But in this instance, yeah, we've had these changes now, further changes, might I add, to the Mustang. And, you know, what whatever happened to teams doing a better job than others. I mean, this is just a classic example of Ford as a manufacturer and in conjunction with the two teams running the Mustangs, just doing a good job, you know, within the regulations. Yet, you know, we've had this happen again. And I guess it was pertinent with Scott McLaughlin tweeting last night that, you know, this only will make the next victory a whole lot sweeter. And I hope that is the instance because... It'll vindicate that DGR Team Penske, at the moment, have a leg up on the competition, not because of the advantage their car has, it's just because they're doing a better job, you know. I said it before too, and I'm sure a lot of people have said that the switch to linear springs as well has hurt a few teams, particularly Triple Eight, and they still haven't got their heads around that, whilst Tickford, I think the change in the ballast that happened before um, Simmons Plains, Tassie, um, that might have put them back as far as try the advantage that they had, yet Penske was still pretty strong. You know, they won the race in Tassie, which was a statement in itself, and then Phillip Island, they dominated because they normally do. Even with the Falcon FGX last year, they were really strong. Um, so, yeah, it's just... I, I don't know if I should even say it's the gift that keeps giving gift in the sense that it creates discussion and debate and we can talk about this for hours on end but at the same time if this is going to influence the championship as far as the results are concerned then that's just poor form I guess and you know what we can say sit and praise supercars and everyone winning in as far as parity is concerned but it doesn't really look good for anyone looking to get into the sport, any new manufacturers that are interested in perhaps coming to supercars because if, you know, things like, if they do a better job, you know, they've got the resources and whatnot to do it, um, if they do end up doing a better job and then they have the, I don't want to say the band of nannies, but, you know, if they have the technical department come in and, or other teams dob them in or something like that and say, oh, they've got an advantage or whatever, we need to clip their wings, blah, blah, blah. Um, it doesn't look good at all. I mean, I don't... Super, the great thing about supercars is the manufacturers and their Ford and Holden. It's all you need. As long as both teams can win. If it just gets skewed to one side as well... Like, I had to admit, Ford winning nine of the ten races this season was a bit, you know, it's like, eh, you know, status quo, or can we see something different? So, 
you know, if it's close between the two, that's great. But if this puts Ford and DJR team Penske and Tickford really on the back foot, then I think, you know, there's something that's got to come out of that too because A, Ford, they quit as a manufacturer in 2014 because, you know, results and also, you know, not manufacturing anything locally anymore. But given that the Mustang has really been successful in the market here in Australia since it was started being sold a couple of years ago and also, you know... It's such a universal race car, you know, that NASCAR are also using it this year and, you know, the guys at Ford Performance, um, when they made the car, you know, started doing the initial designs and whatnot, said that it would be suited to the current regulations for supercars, even though they had to make a few adjustments to fit the control chassis. Imagine if this happened to the Camaro, if that came in under the current regulations. I mean, it just doesn't look good as far as, you know, you want to attract new attended, new parties to the sport, new manufacturers. It's what, you know, creates better competition, more variety, more flavor on the grid. But, yeah, you know, I just feel that this is a bit, this has gone on too far and, you know, the change... The change in the ballast was great. You know, I felt that that might have, that did create a bit of stability. We saw Triple Eight win a race in in Tassie. The podiums have not been completely locked out by the Ford teams either, because we've had, you know, Erebus on the podium. We've had Nissan on the podium as well at Phillip Island. So it's been pretty close in that regard. But yeah, I I just don't know, like. If Perth, we come out and start seeing... If Perth is going to be the beginning of the Commodores dominating and the Ford team's really struggling, then, you know, then we're going to have an issue on our hands, I'm afraid. And it's not what we want to see. We don't want to see... If they were doing something that is totally out of bounds and totally out of the regulations, then, yeah, we can do it. We can clip the wings, blah, blah, blah. But it's not. And these sort of changes should be just reserved for the start of a new season you know ahead of a new season because once you're in the middle of a championship if it affects the result of the championship you know people there is going to be one side of town who are going to debate it it's like oh well that wasn't fair you know well that wasn't fair that we lost or our team lost the championship or our driver lost the championship because they decided to change the regulations midway through the year or decided to re-homologate a car midway through the year even though that's not actually you know just the ethical sense um the ethical sense of it you know it just doesn't um doesn't quite add up but anyway motorsport is very political and unfortunately there are times where racing cannot be racing and is dictated by what happens in boardrooms and phone calls and maybe whatsapp who knows Maybe that's how it all it all panned out. So, yeah, just I can only say that I'm disappointed with the way that this has turned out. Um, surely, yeah, if if it was a concern, they could have picked it up in the homologation test that they did pre-season or late last year, and then even pre-season when they had four Mustangs in the top five of the results as well. Like, um, surely that would have made them have a look at have a look at it and make some changes there but even then it's it's too late you know when you're two weeks away from starting 
a championship a new championship year then you've got to um you've got to have all that stuff ticked off before then so yeah i don't know what to really what i can really add to it but yeah we've just got to see now come barbagallo next week at the night race in perth that if it's really going to make a big impact on this championship and last year as well we saw the falcons strong there in perth again so yeah we'll just have to we'll just have to wait and see another waiting game yippee all right all right all right um moving it on from motorsport now (laughs) and being a bit more positive i guess um i don't want to sound like eeyore all the time as someone at work keeps telling me um yeah easter and anzac we're in between those special days i guess and a smorgasbord of afl and nrl over the past week and the long weekend so um with the easter round we had some cracking nrl games the storm v roosters i guess was the top bill clash between the grand finalists of last year and you know going to golden point um as well it just yeah was a ripper of a game and you know i guess we basically found out that the roosters are a team that could threaten to go back to back this year you know they've been strong all season so far they only dropped one game but the fact that without key players as well in their team against a a strong storm side that they still had young players that they were trying to blood the roosters that is that they still came home and uh, snatched it by a point so it was a gritty game to watch and just very enjoyable so you know it's everything that I had hoped the grand final last year to be but didn't quite be the the case and then the other game I wanted to highlight was the um, Parramatta Eels and the the West Tigers so um, the uh, not Anzac sorry the Easter Monday clash at the new Parramatta Stadium the Eels just went on a romp you know 51 to 6 you know I guess there was just I guess everyone who's been a long-suffering Parramatta fan or not really long-suffering last year was awful. Um, but the year before, they were they finished top four, I think, in the, in the table. So, yeah, you know, a whole year just being awful and they've just come back really strong this year so far. So, you know, could they be a threat to the Premiership? Maybe not, but given that the Storm and Roosters seem to be in another league, but they've been very strong and they might be able to sneak away with some solid results. So, yeah, you know, solid weekend there in the NRL. Um, Coming up, I guess, with the Anzac Day clashes as well tomorrow. Roosters and Dragons is always a, a good contest, the traditional contest that they have, and having it back at the SCG as well will be quite key. Um, and it's a really hard one to pick because the Dragons have been a bit sneaky the last few weeks and they've looked pretty strong. So they've had a good run. They've had a few um, cheeky golden point victories as well. And, you know, I guess everyone's been talking about how Gareth Widdop's injury was potentially a blessing in disguise because it's allowed the team to settle down um, as far as their spine's concerned, um, not having the rotating rotation with Gareth uh, you know, their fullback, Matt, Matt Dufty, so having him permanently there, and then, of course, Norman and Hunt in the halves, and um, Cameron McInnes as their hooker, so, yeah, and Roosters, I guess, they get back Jake Friend this weekend, uh, tomorrow, sorry, but they have a key out in Luke Keary, who's been an absolute star for them, so, you know, how's 
the Latrell Mitchell and Cooper Cronk combination in the half is going to go. It'll be interesting to see. And also tomorrow, the Storm versus the Warriors too. So that one seems like it might be just a one-sided competition. Storm looking pretty strong. Um, and the Warriors are going to be without RTS, uh, Roger Tuvasashek. So yeah, they don't normally travel too well either, the the Warriors. So yeah, that could be a bit of a blowout, a bit of a romp for the Storm. So yeah, it'll be a great day for those guys. And then for the rest of the round, I guess, key games will be the um, Panthers versus the Rabbitohs. Uh, big news out of Penrith this week with uh, Gus Gould, the longtime general manager, um, famously famous for his five-year plan, which has taken about nine years or eight or eight or nine years and still hasn't yielded much as in the way of success for the club is concerned. Um, yeah, you know, how do, the, how do Penrith bounce back from that? And, you know, the Rabbitohs have been quite strong. Not... Not their best, but they've been building, so, you know, under Wayne Bennett, so hopefully, you know, they can solidify their position in the top three. Broncos and Sharks as well, given that the Broncos are one and five at the moment, the worst start to a season for the Brisbane Broncos, a lot of pressure on their new coach, Anthony Seabold, so whilst life seems to be a bit more peachier for Wayne Bennett at the Rabbitohs, um, Anthony Seabold... Anthony Seabold finding it a lot more difficult there up there in Brisbane. And I guess, you know, given that they're a one-club town as well, the press is going to be right on them, given that there's no other teams for them to abuse in NRL land in Brisbane. So, yeah, and Cronulla, you know, they, they got blown out a little last... Well, sorry, no, they didn't get blown out. They actually won last week. What am I saying? It's the week before that they got blown out by the Roosters. But, no, last week they actually came back and beat Penrith. So, you know, it just so shows you that the Sharks can be quite dangerous. And I've actually tipped the Sharks this week, given that, given Brisbane's form and given that their form has been quite poor as at home as well this year. So that's going to be an interesting clash. And I guess a must win in the same sense as Ferrari this year in um, Baku must win clash for the Broncos to try and gain some confidence for the rest of the year and finally the Knights and the Eels so you know Knights as well I guess sitting towards the bottom of the table they've just you know given all the hype around them in the preseason and then the whole switch with Kalen Ponga going from fullback to to 5'8 and now back to fullback Um, and Parramatta being dangerous as they are at the moment that big win with over the Tigers you know I wouldn't put it past Parramatta putting one over the Knights as well but you know a loss for the Knights will mean that there will be some serious pressure that comes down on the team and their coach Nathan Brown who again finds himself in the firing line of the media and everyone else so cruel game is coaching so you know team principals don't seem to come under that much pressure as, as a coach does but you know Formula One and football are completely different kettles of fish so it's hard to compare the two in a lot of areas but then in some areas it's a bit it's a bit similar and you can compare them otherwise in AFL land um, so far this season you could say blowouts and surprises has been sort of the trend so um, the blowouts some of the blowouts that we had last round over the Easter weekend so Collingwood getting up over Brisbane Essendon over the North Melbourne and um, Carlton getting a big win over the Doggies. So, you know, good on them. Um, surprises as far as that's concerned. Well, no one would have picked the Saints to be second in the standings after five rounds with big question marks. You know, like they were 
tip to be a, a bottom four team, you know, bottom two team even. But yeah, you know, sitting second on the table behind Geelong. Um, what's more surprising is the fact that we've got teams like the Bulldogs, Sydney, the D's as well, who are playing tonight against Richmond, um, and North all sitting towards the bottom, you know, at least, you know, D's and North have sort of had up and down years, but, you know, they were supposed to be, like, D's finished in the finals last year, um, and then Swans and the Dogs have always been quite strong teams, so, you know, where's it all going wrong for them, what can they do better, um, it's just a question you know, will we see some change? Will they see? Will they come to form? Like Essendon started very poorly this season, so and they've come back on form and in time for an important game too tomorrow between them and Collingwood. So, you know, normally you'd probably tip Collingwood to win that one, given that they've been really strong off the back of their run to the grand final last year. But you know, Essendon could be could be a smoky there. You know, they've got Joe Danaher back in the team last week. Um, and copped a bit of a fine for it too for the late inclusion but you know it's it'll be a great game to watch and you know that's why I'm getting the podcast out of the way tonight and I can enjoy some Anzac Day footy and maybe a barbecue as well so um, yeah you know exciting times you know will Geelong stay on the top of the ladder for a while you know who knows but yeah top eight looking pretty good and although there's guys outside the top eight like the Bulldogs the Swans you know you'd expect someone like Sydney to perhaps go on a run and come back you know they were 0-6 I think a couple of years ago and they came back to finish in the top eight and had that run to the um, prelims so you know all could be all sorts of surprises wait I guess and we've had some pretty big surprises so far this year so yeah you know um exciting watching all that but even more excited to have some racing this weekend with the f1 no nothing else i think no moto gp no no supercars that's all next weekend so yeah um that that about wraps it up i think as far as things to discuss i'm sure next week we'll be talking a lot about f1 because baku always throws up a big Big headline, big story, a lot of debate. You know, will um, Vettel do another burnout tactic on Lewis Hamilton? Who knows? We'll wait and see. Can Charles Leclerc notch up his first F1 win at the scene of some pretty impressive triumphs for him in the past? A lot of questions. But anyway, hope you guys enjoy the weekend. If you get another long weekend with Anzac Day tomorrow, good on you, you're so lucky, I don't get any extra time off, it's my normal day off, so yeah, it's, it's a bit depressing, but anyway, thanks guys for tuning in, and remember, remember, you can listen to this on Spotify and iTunes, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, so be sure to jump on that, and I will be back for you next week, ciao.